Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Sarah Geringer, and Sarah's story is sadly one that so many of us can relate to. And in a few moments, we're going to talk about her story. But what I love about Sarah's life is that she has turned and is turning around what the enemy has meant as a tool to discourage, to break her down. And now that has become her diving board, her jumping off board, where her story, her testimony is ministering to so many people. Sarah, welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Oh, it's my joy to be here with you, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do, and your family? Yeah. I'm primarily a Christian author. I'm also a podcaster. I am a creative coach, a book launch manager. I am a ghostwriter, mostly for Christian counselors and also an editor. So I live in the world of writing and speaking And that was my dream as a little girl. And so it's such a joy to be doing that now as an adult. I am a fifth generation resident of Southeast Missouri. I'm very proud of that. I love living out in the country. I have three teenagers and a 127 pound Labrador retriever. And then today we're getting another puppy. So uh, it's an exciting time for us. And I just love being able to work from home and do this ministry that has been my dream really since I was a teenager. Wow, that's awesome. How inspiring for those who have a dream that it is possible to pursue that because you do writing in multiple ways, right? Right. And I honestly felt like when I graduated from college, I'd have to move to a big city to do that. And I didn't really want to. And the power of the internet really allows us to have that freedom to work where we want to. So I'm really blessed um, to live in this age that we can do that now. Yes. Amen. That is absolutely because especially even after COVID, that there's more working from home, uh, virtual working, which has just been a huge blessing for so many people. In fact, I've done that for the last two and a half years as well. So Sarah, could you just share with us your story? Take us back to what has happened over the last 20 plus years. Yeah. So I got married in the year 2000. I am a child of divorce And there were multiple generations of divorce in my family. So I had a big dream. I wanted to have a 50-year marriage. That was my big goal. My great-grandparents had been married more than 60 years. And they were strong and solid rocks in our family. And I just looked up to them. And I just wanted to 
break those curses that had been over the generations in my family. But unfortunately, within, oh, two weeks of my marriage, I started seeing some red flags. And I have to be honest that probably some of those red flags were present while we were dating and I choose to ignore them. Many of us do that because we're in love and we just hope, we have such hope that things will be different for us. And I had that same kind of hope, but really uh, both of us came into it not emotionally healthy, not healed. And I feel like I was, I was probably the giver in the relationship mashed up with a taker. So there was an imbalance and uh, that just continued on and on. I felt like when I had children, that's when God gave me an opportunity to start on a different path because I knew how I had suffered as a child of divorce and from emotional abuse I had endured as a child. And I wanted fervently to carve a different path for my children. And I think that God opened up those pathways with me and my children. And then probably when uh, my marriage was about seven years or along or so, my husband developed a drinking problem and that only increased over time. So alcoholism was a big part of the dysfunction in our marriage. And I wouldn't have necessarily called it that at the time it took education for me to start recognizing it. I think, honestly, my eyes were opened. I was watching the show Intervention on A&E on cable television, and something just resonated with me in those shows. And I couldn't put my finger on it because when I watch those shows, I'm like, oh, my story is not that dramatic, right? That, But there was just something that like a magnetic force that was pulling me toward those shows of something in these stories sounds familiar to me. So in 2009, I started seeing a Christian counselor and I saw, I met with him every other week for five years. So that was a huge investment of time and money, but what he helped me do, and I still see him today, he really helped me unpack everything that had happened to me in my marriage, but also in my childhood so that I could start getting healthy. And a big part of that was learning to set boundaries. Uh, I've said this many times on other podcasts and on my blog that I've written about that besides the Bible, the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend has completely revolutionized my life. Uh, God's word came first. That's how God healed me first. And then he used the book Boundaries and then all those other books that they've written as tools to change me into a stronger and healthier person. And sadly, uh, the stronger and healthier I got, the more dysfunction happened, not just with my husband, but with other extended family members. And it was very sad and painful to kind of grieve some losses. But fortunately, by that time, I was plugged into some small group ministries at my church. So I had people who were praying for me, encouraging me, really the hands and feet and face of Jesus to me, because I believe in a recovery process, you've got to surround yourself, not just with 
counseling, but you have to surround yourself with other Christians who are going to support you, even though they couldn't understand by experience what I was enduring. They could lift me up in prayer. And I fully believe in the power of prayer to change the world. And so I couldn't have gotten through the kind of things that I had to suffer through if it wasn't for people praying for me. So uh, unfortunately, my marriage ended this year. He left on January 9th and the divorce was final on March 4th. So we're talking today, it's April the 9th, right, Kristen? So, I mean, this is really fresh for me. But uh, one thing my counselor has said to me is I've been on a grieving and letting go process for several years now uh, just to be able to survive the severe issues that were in my marriage. So that's one reason that I've been able to come as far as I have come in this short period of time because I was already spending years really grieving what I never could have. So it's sad, but I'm starting, you know, I think I'm still in a tunnel, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know it's there. It's not all in the darkness. I have a direction to move forward, something to move toward. And so I have that hope and that promise of joy that God has in store for me on the other side of this journey. There's so much there for us to unpack right now, Sarah, and I I thank you for your transparency and your openness because it is so fresh. But what I was thinking as you were talking about that is that work that you did in the time with the counselor and the Bible study and the different support system that you developed around you is you were given tools, you were given coping skills, you were learning how to respond and not react. And I always say that, you know, we need to respond as Christ would in a given situation, not react. I'm a visual person, so I always use the coyote and roadrunner, you know, that scenario (laughs) Uh that, you know, that detonates and a bomb goes off and that that's what we do. Somebody does something and then we react really big and then it, all the attention is on us and not on them. So we need to learn how to respond, reading the book Boundaries and and all the other books that they've written, which, you know, that is the number one book, that and Codependent No More. Those are the two books that I recommend the most as a counselor. But you were given all these tools over five years, over six years, well, actually more because it was 2009 when you started going to counseling that prepared you for now, that you were able to walk it out And I'm thinking about the listener who maybe isn't in that place where they're ready to leave an unhealthy relationship. But what you're telling us is these are all the things I did while in the unhealthy relationship so that I could get healthier myself. And the tools and all of that has strengthened you for what you have been walking out. Would you agree? I totally agree. And I would be remiss if I didn't say two other things that helped me. One, this started the entire healing process. Uh, It was 2003. I started reading the one-year Bible. I had gone to a Christian school, grade school. I had graduated from a Christian college. And I just felt a kind of personal, I don't know, uncomfortableness that I had never read the whole Bible through. So I started that January and within three or four weeks, 
I realized how many lies I was believing. And I had learned that the Bible is the truth, like truth with a capital T, right? And so if what I was reading was true, then I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was thinking that wasn't true. And so I had to open my heart up to God reforming me with the truth of his word and just the affirmation that he loved me. I could see, you know, Joseph, this is in Genesis, right? So, I mean, I'm not even out of the month of January because the one-year Bible covers Genesis in the month of January. And I'm thinking about Joseph in the prison for things he didn't deserve. And I'm relating to that. And I'm seeing how God used Joseph, like he had a plan that he revealed to Joseph when he was a teenager, you know, and then reading toward the end of Genesis, you see Joseph being delivered and not just for himself, but for the sake of his family and really everyone who was alive at that time. He saved people from a worldwide famine because he chose to never give up on that dream and that hope that God had put in him. And so I was reading that and just being absolutely cut to the core with if Joseph's life had value and he's in this dark prison where no one could see it, surely my life has value. I feel like I'm in a prison right now, but I know God has to have something more for me outside of this prison that I feel like I'm in, you know? So God's word was the starting point of my healing. And then another tool that God used was Al-Anon. So Al-Anon is a group for people who are loved ones or family members of addicts. And I went to that for a couple months. This was in hmm, 2019. So I had already gone through counseling. I had a lot of the principles that are put forth in Al-Anon or Celebrate Recovery is another group that's like the Christian version of Al-Anon. So I had already done a lot of that healing work, but one thing that that did for me, two things that Al-Anon did was showed me that I wasn't the only one suffering. There were people with, I mean, real live faces that I was in there that knew exactly what it felt for my heart to be ripped out, you know, by this person who I loved, who was addicted. They were going through the same thing. And then another thing that was very, very powerful, and it kind of it kind of uh, segues into the Codependent No More book, which I'm rereading now. <laughs> I've read it at least twice um, in the last 15 years. We were subject to the exact same 12 steps that the addicts in AA are subject to. And I was furious about that at first. What do you mean? That I have to do. Look at all this work I've done as an overfunctioning codependent person, right? I've done all the work. Are you kidding me? I have more work to do. But as I went through that, as I went through the 12 steps with those peers who are suffering in the same ways, I realized that my addiction was to my addict. It wasn't to beer or whiskey or tequila. It was to a person and I had built my life around this person and I was managing all their emotions and their feelings and their thoughts and their words for them. And I was addicted to that. And quite frankly, it's been more than a month since my divorce is final and I'm still having to work on, I'm not responsible for his 
feelings, emotions, thoughts, actions, but I did that for 21 years. So that's not going to go away overnight just because the judge has signed a decree, right? I have to work on that. And I think one thing I learned from counseling and then being an Al-Anon is although it was infuriating and stirred up all these horrible feelings inside, the rage and unfairness and injustice and all these feelings, really at the very bottom level is a sense of empowerment. Because the one thing I could do is change myself. I can't change those crazy people in my life, but I can change what I do, what I think, what I say, what I post on social media about it, whatever, right? I have pretty much full control over that because God gives each of us the gift of free will and we can either use it for good or we can use it for harm. And I had seen what other people had done by using it for harm against me, what they're still doing today to try to harm me as we're speaking right now. They're trying to harm me. But what I can do is follow that narrow path that Jesus talks about. He talks about there's a narrow path if you're going to follow God's way, but the highway to hell is broad, right? And it's, that's not hard to find. But the narrow path that's full of life and truth and love and joy and peace, few ever find it, but it is worth all the fight, all the work you have to do to find that because it's the only life that's really worth living. That's what I think. I love how God took you through the Bible from the beginning, like that year in 2003, because he knew that, well, we know, but he knew that you needed to be rooted in his word. Like you needed to be grounded. I love that in Ephesians, to be rooted and grounded in his love, but his word is is him. And you needed to be grounded in that. So he started right there and was just opening up for you and then showing you that you can't change your attic, can't change your spouse. For some people, you can't change your children. You can't change other people, their decisions and how they do things, but you can focus on you. And for a lot of people who experience abuse, control is an issue. Codependent No More talks about control. How I view control is control is a false sense of security because when you're in abusive relationships, you're looking for security. You're looking for some sort of stability. So if I can control everything, then I feel safe. Then I feel secure. Then I feel stability in my life. And part of that becomes, oh, it is my job to make sure that your mood is okay, because then I'm going to feel safe and secure. You're not going to react to me. You're not going to react to the kids if that happens in that situation. So then I become a manager of all people's feelings and their life. And it all is rooted that I need to feel safe and secure. And I'm running to the a wrong thing to find safety. It's, it's in God that we find our safety and our security. And I understand that's real situations. You know, there's times where there's a physical abuse, and I'm not saying stay in a relationship that's physically abusive, but recognizing that what God was doing in your life was saying, Sarah, run to me, run to me. 
don't use the control and the things that you learned as a child carried into your relationship, that this is how you interact with people. Sarah, I've got more for you. I have dreams for you. I have things that I want to do in and through you. Sarah, don't hold on to this stuff because it's a barrier between you walking into the fullness of who I created you to be. So there became this this burden within you, a passion to dig for more. God, I want more. I know there's healing that you have for me. That's why you go to a counselor. God, I want to be healed. I, I want to have right thinking. I don't want to be dysfunctional because God is, the Holy Spirit was leading you because there's more. Sarah, I have a call on your life. It's to write. It's to minister to others. It's to encourage. It's to speak. It's to teach. In order for you to step into that fullness, you had to walk through this. I'm reminded of a camp song when I was a kid. You may have heard this one. Some say going on a bear hunt. I learned it as a kid going on a lion hunt. Going on a lion hunt, going to catch a big one. I'm not afraid. What's that up ahead? A bridge. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Got to go through it. And that is exactly what describes what we have to do in our healing process. We try to go over it. We try to go under it or around it. We try every other way to get to the other side of health and wholeness without going through it. And you did the work to go through it. So well done, Sarah. And you're still doing the work, but well done because you're pressing in. And may that be an encouragement to whoever is listening today. Go through the work to get to the other side, because what God has for you on the other side is goodness, is blessing, it's health, it's wholeness, it's abundance. Would you agree? Yes. And I think one really helpful thing, it's so basic, but it's easy to forget that I learned in Al-Anon is one day at a time. We said that pretty much every meeting, one day at a time, you don't have to figure out, even it's really a biblical principle. Jesus talks about this in his do not worry section in Matthew. And he says, sufficient is the day for its own troubles. Kind of like you only had to worry about what's in this one 24 hour period. I'm taking care of all the rest. You know, you just take care of what you need to take care of today. I've got you. I'll help you through today, but I'm on the other side of today. You don't have to worry. And it's so like you're saying about being tempted to control these situations, I remember feeling like, well, somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to take care of the kids. Somebody's got to pay the mortgage. Somebody's got to do these things. Somebody's got to be responsible, right? I'm not going to let nothing happen. Like that's terribly irresponsible. And it is, right? But when I put it on me, like that I am the one who has to have it happen, that's when that burden sets in and the resentment sets in. But when I started learning to say, the Lord is my provider, the Lord is going to work through me. I don't have to do it on my own strength. I don't have to manufacture this situation myself. I can just trust that he's at work even behind the scenes where I can't see what's going on and that he's got my kids. You know, he's got my finances. He's got the holidays, right? He has this in his hands. And even if this person acts out 
or makes things difficult or gaslights me on Christmas, which is what happened this past year. God's got it. He's going to help me find a way out of temptation. That's another thing that the Bible promises us that when we're tempted, God's always going to show us a way out. And a lot of times that's by saying nothing. It's by not engaging with the crazy person and being self-controlled because we're trusting that God is in control. And it's kind of one of those things. It takes practice to learn these things. You can, you could sit there and sit down and read the book boundaries line by line all the way through, which I did, but you have to live that information out. And that's just going to take practice. It's going to take time. You're going to make mistakes, but that is what your support group is for. Because then you go to them like this morning when something bad happened to me, I was praying about it, of course, but I called my best friend and she just spoke words of life over me. And I knew I had that available to me. I can call her and she's going to point me back on the right track. And I don't think I'd be even able to do this podcast interview today unless I had reached out for help before I got on it. You know, so we've got to connect ourselves with other people who are going to speak life into us to get through this one day at a time. So let's just jump into some tips that, because you've shared a couple of them, what are some tips that you have based on your experiences that you can share with a listener as they're beginning their journey of healing? Well, I do believe reading books like that is really important. Like we talked about the boundaries book, codependency, no more. Those are really good tools to get yourself educated about what's actually going on. Because if you are codependent, if you are experiencing emotional abuse, if you are involved with an addict, those are very complex and confusing situations to be in. The, the person who is, I'm going to call the offender, right, is not willing to take responsibility for their actions. So they're going to project those onto other people. And when they do that, it's going to make you question things, question reality. You're going to say, well, maybe they are right. Maybe I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough or I'm too much, right? You're going to start thinking it's your fault or gaslighting. I I just kind of hit on that. Gaslighting is when someone is telling you something is untrue to get you to try to think that it's true or vice versa. It's a mind game and it's all about like a power play. They're trying to control you by making the ground underneath you feel unstable. So they want to keep you off kilter. So that is a very, by nature, that's a very confusing situation. And I think when you start reading literature that can help you see, this is, this is someone who is unhealthy, who is perpetrating these kind of things. It's not my fault. And there are millions of other people going through this. I'm not alone. That's a, that's a lie that the enemy is going to speak over you again and again. You're alone in this. No one understands. This is just you overreacting, right? This is you being melodramatic. Most of the time, that's not the truth. The truth is you've got to find the light in the darkness that you're in and move toward that light. And the light is God's word but it's also these helpful books that he's given for us to get educated. 
And then I think another tool, like I said, is to go meet with a counselor. So what I did, Focus on the Family has a free one-time phone consultation, and then they will refer you to someone in your area. And so that's what I did to get that ball rolling years ago. I think the value of going to counseling is you get that one-on-one individual personal service. And a counselor is a trained third party. So they have a professional and objective perspective. And that really helped me when my counselor would say things like, you know, of all my clients going through this, you know, of course, all completely confidential, but he would say, you know, this is typical of these experiences or this is atypical. So that helped me also understand that what I was going through was not unique necessarily to me, although he could also give me advice that was unique to my situation. So that was very helpful to me. So I think learning more about what was actually going on equipped me with knowledge so then I could deal with the truth. So then I could separate the lies from the truth and move toward the truth and cast off the lies and embrace the truth for myself. Those are some really good tools of, and I like that you mentioned focus on the family um, has a referral system because a lot of people say, where do I start? Especially if you're wanting a Christian counselor, which... I would recommend as a Christian counselor to find a Christian counselor who can give you a biblical perspective and in everything that is going on. And I appreciate that you defined gaslighting and talked about reality. One of the things about abuse is you begin to doubt. It's it's kind of ingrained in you through the abuse process to doubt your judgment, to doubt any decision that you make so that you're more dependent on them. Mm -hmm. And having a good support system around you, getting grounded in the word, reading these books that you talked about, going to Christian counselors helps you to begin to see the light, the truth from from the untruth. Scripture tells us in the beginning, um, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was formless and void. And some of the definitions of that is it's a chaotic mess. Mm-hmm. And that chaos is what our lives are. You know, it's that wilderness time. It's that time of brokenness. But I love that that the Holy Spirit was there. The Spirit of God was hovering over that darkness, that chaotic mess. And may I encourage you, listener, that the Holy Spirit, God is with you in whatever situation you're facing right now. And the tools that Sarah is talking about, the things that the tips that she's recommending are the things that helped her begin because the next it talks about when God spoke, light was separated from darkness. Day and night, there was that separation that began to take place. When we put ourselves in those right positions, God begins to separate truth from lies, reality from distortion, and we begin to see situations and ourselves for what is really happening. So I'm, I'm grateful that you shared those tips with us. So Sarah, where do you feel like you are on your fully restored journey? Do you feel like you're still in the process? Do you feel like in some places you're fully restored? Where do you see yourself? 
Well, on this particular journey in terms of healing from divorce, I know it's going to take probably a full year because we're coming up on Easter at a week from now, right? And the holidays are big triggers for, you know, past trauma and and just healing that you're on a different path that these holidays aren't going to look the same, right? So I know I'm going to have to go through a whole cycle of that probably before I feel like I'm completely where I want to be in this journey. But again, because I've done that work, um, I feel like I'm further along. I'm really grateful, even though I had to suffer to get through all that, I'm grateful for that suffering before. I wanted to say another tool that has really helped me was journaling. So yes, I'm a writer. So of course I love to write, but journaling is is scientifically proven to help people get through things much better than when we don't. And I feel like one of the best benefits of my journals has been to look back and see what God was doing in my life and how uh, how far he took me and how much he was with me in that time that was really hard before And I could see it's sometimes easier to see in hindsight what is actually going on because it's hard to see it when it's up close and you're traveling right through it. But you can look back and you can say, oh, now I see why God was doing that at that time. That was just so powerful. And to be able to just gain clarity in situations that seemed confusing at the time you can start identifying patterns. And I think that's another powerful thing that I did with my therapist. When you're wanting to set boundaries with someone, you don't want to lay down hard boundaries just for a one-time infraction, most of the time, unless it's a really serious offense. But for patterns of behavior, once you recognize those, then it can be easier to form a plan of setting boundaries because you can see how these patterns are eroding the fabric of a relationship. And so that has been a very useful thing that I've done in my healing journey. And I would recommend it even to people who don't consider themselves writers. Uh, One kind of journal you can keep is just a gratitude journal. And that's a way to choose the light in the darkness that you can just write down three things that, that you know are gifts from God, blessings from God. And sometimes for me, it's just strawberries that I ate for breakfast that day. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, fancy or elaborate, but, you know, just doing that can really help you get your thoughts out in front of you and kind of get a handle on your situation. Thank you for sharing those. So Sarah, in our last few moments we have here, how can people connect with you online? Because you have a wealth of resources for others. Yeah. So if you'll go to the front page of sarahgeringer.com, you can find my books, my podcasts, uh, my services. I have courses online. Uh, Just all of it is there on the very front page. And then of course, all of my social media links. Well, thank you, Sarah, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. 
You can also find me on Instagram or my Facebook page. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. Sarah has been an amazing guest today, and I am so grateful for your openness, your transparentness of just sharing the journey that you're still on. You haven't fully come through on the other side, but I hope and pray that what she spoke today ministered to you, encouraged you, and that you dig into some of these tools that we talked about, reading the books, getting into God's word, meeting with a counselor, support system, journaling, because these are great tools to help you on your journey of healing. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus. 